Our reading this morning is from John's Gospel, beginning at chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. So in a moment or two, we're going to watch a clip from a BBC series. It's it's quite old now. Um, It's um, in the late 80s, I think it was made. But a lovely drama series of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And we're going to pick up a passage that's going to help us understand the reading from John a little bit more. Who has been reading or has read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Fantastic. So, who are the four children in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Izzy. Lucy, Peter, Susan and Edmund. And where are they, apart from being in Narnia, but where are they staying? Can you remember at the beginning of the book? They're staying in, I think it's like their uncle's house. That's right. Um, Perfect. So they've been evacuated out of London in the war and they've ended up in this old professor's house, the big old rambling house. And they're having quite fun over the summer holidays and then one day it's pouring with rain and they decide to play hide and seek. So where do they hide, Lydia? Do you know where they hide? Or where does Lucy hide? In a cupboard. And what happens in the cupboard, Freddie? Um, it's, the entrance to it's the entrance to Narnia. It's full of fur coats, isn't it? And she moves her way through. She thinks it's a very big wardrobe. She gets to the back of the wardrobe and realises that she's in a different land, a land full of snow. So she grabs one of the fur coats and goes on an exploration. And she finds herself in this magical place. It's incredible. And there's a lovely lamppost. And as she stands at the lamppost, a strange creature comes up. Who comes up? Lucy, do you know who it is? No. I didn't know who it was. It's a fawn. Absolutely. Do you know his name, Esther? 
Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus, absolutely. <laughs> Mr. Tumnus, fantastic. Mr. Tumnus comes along and he's a fawn. So he's got a, a man's head and body and a fawn's legs and hooves. And Lucy thinks, what a strange man this is. And they get chatting and he invites her back to his house for a cup of tea and something to eat. And this is where we're going to pick up the story. Thank you. I suppose I should be getting back. But it's just round the corner, and there'll be toast, and sardines, and cake. Not long now. Make yourself at home. House, and that really is a wonderful tea. Do sit, do sit. One for me and one for a friend. So, what's it like living in Narnia, Mr. Tumnus? Life was beautiful here once. Midnight dances in the forest. The nymphs who live in the wells and the dryads who live in the trees come and dance with us with the fawns, oh, and the feasting, and the treasure hunting, and the summers, long, long summers when the woods were green, and the whole forest given up to jollification for weeks on end. But why isn't it like that now? Now it is winter, endless winter, and always will be unless, and until... thing like this. I am, you see, I'm a very bad fawn. I don't think you're a bad fawn. I think you're a very good fawn. You're the nicest fawn I've ever met. You wouldn't say that if you knew. I've done a very bad thing. I've taken service under the White Witch. That's how bad I am. I'm in the pay of the White Witch. 
could. Why, she who has all Narnia under her thumb, under her spell. It's she who makes it always winter here. Always winter, never Christmas. Think of that. How awful. But what does she pay you for? Uh, I'm a kidnapper. Would you believe that I'm the kind of fawn to meet a poor, innocent human child in the wood, pretend to be friendly with it, and invite it home to my cave, all for the sake of lulling it to sleep and handing it over to the white witch? Oh, I'm sure you wouldn't do anything of the... Yes, you were the child. I had orders from the white witch that if ever I saw a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve in the wood... I was to catch them and spell them with my flute and make them sleep and hand them over to her. But you haven't. You've told me. But if I don't, she's sure to find out. She'll have my tail cut off and my horns sawn off and my beard plucked out. And if she's extra and specially angry with me, she'll turn me into stone. I'm sorry. I am sorry. But please let me go home. Of course I will. I must. I see that now. I hadn't known what humans were like before I met you. Now that I know you, of course I can't give you up to the witch. But we must be off at once. I'll see you back to the lamppost. I hope you can find your own way from there, back to uh, Spare Oom and, uh, what was it, a wardrobe? I think I can. Well, we'll pick up more in the following weeks of this wonderful story. If you haven't been reading it, I'd encourage you to get a copy of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. It is a really good book. Lovely story, but with so many hidden meanings and hidden layers. And um, we can all be on a journey throughout the whole summer following the tales of Narnia. The poor old Mr. Tumnus, he's in a bit of a fix because he remembers Narnia as this beautiful, beautiful place. When he was playing his flute, he had all those lovely memories of how beautiful it was. And the weather was different. When he was dreaming and when Lucy was dreaming, what was the season? What was the weather like then? Did anyone notice? Fred? It was summer. And now, in Narnia, because the white witch has taken over, what is the weather like in Narnia now? It's winter. And winter is cold, it's dark, it's even worse, it's always winter, but never Christmas. Always winter, but never Christmas. I think that's one of the most powerful sentences in the whole of the storybook. Always winter, but never Christmas. It means there's no hope. There's absolutely no hope. We cope with the cold of winter because we are excited about Christmas coming. We cope with things being difficult when we can see a hopeful future. And in Narnia, there is no hope. It's always winter. But there's no glimmer of hope. There's nothing to be excited about or to look forward to. What a terrible place to be. And our world can sometimes be like that. It can be quite a dark place where there can be very little hope. And I've got some photographs to show you. These are some pictures taken by a photographer who's a journalist. And he's done an exhibition called Hidden Lives. And there's something in common in all of these photographs 
They're all taken at night time. Just to reflect the types of lives that these people have. And these are true stories of our world today, of places and for people where there's very little hope. So this is a man called Fawaz and his family. And they had to flee from Syria because of the fighting that was happening in that land. And now they're living in Jordan, away from their own home and away from their friends. Let's have the next one. This is a young girl. She's called Lanier. And she lives in Haiti, which is an island in the Caribbean. And she lost her house when there was an earthquake in January 2010. And she's so poor, she still hasn't been able to get somewhere to live. So she depends on camps and people helping her. She's got a little boy as well. And so she's not living in her own home because it was destroyed in the earthquake. Let's have the next one. This is a young woman called Nguyen. And she was a refugee from Vietnam. And she now lives in Bangkok in Thailand. Somebody else her to leave her home country to live somewhere else. And the next one is another man who's living in Thailand. He's called Paramantham. And he used to live in Sri Lanka. And he had to leave and now lives in Thailand. Let's have the next one. It's very dark, that one, isn't it? Just in the middle, you can see a lady with her children. She's called Amina. And she lived in Somalia. She's a Somali refugee. And she now lives in Nairobi, in Kenya. Again, she's had to leave. All these are stories of people who had to leave where they were because it was a terrible place with no hope and go somewhere else. And then the final one is a man called Ali who lived in Iraq, in the Middle East, and now lives in the USA. Now, where they've come from and the situations they were in, you could say there was very, very little hope. They've managed to find hope by going to live in a different place. And the man who took these photographs wasn't a Christian. He wasn't doing this with a Christian message. But he was showing that that hope comes for people in difficulty. And the fact that they've been able to find a new place to live has given them a possible future and a possible hope. But he wanted to take the photographs at night to show that that actually still affects who they are. That you don't just move away and and life is wonderful. There's still a sadness and a loss. Even though there's still hope, it's come from a place where there was very, very little hope. So Narnia was a place with no hope. What C.S. Lewis was talking about was what the world is like when we don't know Jesus. And the passage that we read from um, John's Gospel talks about what, what God intended when Jesus came to live on earth. Let's have the last picture up. This is from John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Because we can live with hope. We can recognize what the world around us is like. But we can live not in darkness, but in light because we have hope in Jesus. Because God sent Jesus to come and live amongst us. It's incredible. He's called in this passage the Word. And it says that the word, Jesus, was with God right from the very, very beginning. He was with God, and through him all things were made. And in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. The light of Jesus will never be extinguished. Even in the darkest places, the light will shine. And Jesus has a habit of actually going to the places of darkness, going to be amongst people who have very little hope, because that's who he is, that's his nature. And he shines in places where there is no hope, and he brings his hope. So if we think back over our own lives, there might be times when we felt it's been pretty hopeless. But actually Jesus comes alongside us, and Jesus brings hope, and he brings that light that can't be overcome. So regardless of what is going on around us, we don't live in winter where there's never Christmas. We live with the hope of Jesus, who we can know now, but we also live with the hope of the world being as it should be. Narnia shouldn't have been covered in snow. Narnia should have been that lovely summer picture. And it wasn't like that. And the world we live in shouldn't be a hopeless world. It should be like God designed it in the beginning. And the picture he gives in the Bible is the Garden of Eden, something very, very beautiful. And we can also live in hope that 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 is what God is doing. He's redeeming his world is the word we use. He's brought Jesus to live amongst us so that his world, his kingdom, can be restored on earth so that we don't live without hope, but we live with hope. Now, hopefully as you came in, I think you might have done this, you've been given a little card with a verse on it, and I didn't get one, so can I borrow yours? Thank you. And this is for you to take home, because sometimes we have to remember that God brings hope, because actually we can get pretty glum. I can get pretty glum, especially when I'm needing my holiday. Life can be really difficult. And I need to raise my eyes and look upward and remember what the promise is. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is for you to take home. As week one of our journey through the line, the witch, and the wardrobe, this is a promise that God wants to bless us, that we might overflow with hope. Wouldn't it be wonderful to go through the summer full of hope, regardless of what is going on, but a true hope, not a false hope, a true hope because we know Jesus and we know Jesus at work in our lives. Mr. Tumnus has forgotten that. And he thinks that the white witch is the one who is always going to rule Narnia. And he's pretty glum, he's pretty sad, and he's living in a way he doesn't want to live. Maybe as we travel through the story, we'll see that there's another possibility for Mr. Tumnus and for everyone else who's living in Narnia.